Well, uh, this morning, it's uh, my privilege to introduce to you someone that I met at, for the very first time at Texas Roadhouse. The first time I met Dennis Mendes was at Texas Roadhouse. And uh, we have uh, become friends uh, since then. He's a teacher over at uh, Cranston West. He's been there for 20 plus years. He teaches science. So guess what? In his teaching, there's going to be some science probably, I know. Um, but here's what's amazing. Here's, uh, he's one of our own. He is involved around here. He's serving now. And, and he just loves Jesus. And he's felt this call. He's uh, to uh, go to seminary. So he's working on his uh, MDiv, his Masters of Divinity. And he's currently uh, working through that. And here's my point. That just like when Stephen Miller got up, the, uh, Stephen Miller taught. He did an amazing job teaching God's word. Dennis is going to come and bring God's word. You do not have to be a paid vocational person in order to teach God's word. And this morning we get the privilege of having one of our own Dennis Mendes to come. So Dennis, won't you come and uh, teach us God's word? Wait a minute. I'm not getting paid. (laughs) Morning. I know uh, some of my students, current ones, and some of my former students that are in the room right now are going, oh my goodness, this guy can talk. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I've practiced this, I've timed it, and I've got it down to like almost the second for the time that I have allotted. Um, Oh, by the way, Rick, thanks for canceling the second service so I can just go right through. (laughs) Don't leave. (laughs) I was kidding. Anyway, today we're going to take a look at the, uh, at the book of 2 Kings and the book of 2 Chronicles. We're going to kind of like fool around in there a little bit. We've got uh, 2 Kings 22 and 23 and 2 Chronicles uh, 34 and 35. Okay, but first, this next bit is going to seem a little bit like a science lesson. That's because it is. Okay, so right here. This jar, I have water. And that water is condensed in that jar. It doesn't want to be in that jar. It wants to leave. It wants to commune with the atmosphere. It wants to go. In fact, if I come back next week, that jar is going to be empty. In this jar, I have water. But... Put a little oil on top there. Now, as the, uh, uh, you can see, hopefully, hopefully, you can see the oil is starting to float on top of the water. This is common sense. Everybody knows oil and water don't mix. It's an axiom. Okay? The water now cannot leave. If I come back next week, the same amount of water will be in here. Because that oil is blocking that water and keeping it enslaved to the jar. But wait, there's more. You didn't know I was going to bring breakfast, did you? (laughs) Oh, I should have got a trash can. (laughs) It's okay. So now I put an egg in here. Now with this egg... I'm going to shake it up. 
and spill a little bit. Sorry about that. Now what I've done is I've made what's called an emulsification. There we go. I've made an emulsification. I haven't changed anything. The water is still the water. The oil is still the oil. It's just broken up into smaller little droplets. So I've got egg all over my hands. <laughs> um, it's broken up into smaller little droplets. I mean, it still looks messy, but as I take the cover off, as I take the cover off, the water and the oil are mixed evenly. So the water can reach the top, and the water can get out. If I come back next week, this will be the, the, the water will be almost gone in this. Now, what does that mean? Why am I teaching you science? Well, one, I told Cranston that I was going to do it, and so I'm hoping to get paid a little bit from them. <laughs> but in reality, this is what we were meant to be. We were meant to have that direct communication with God. We were meant to have that fellowship with God. We were meant to have that. But unfortunately, sin stopped us from having that. Sin is the oil. We're blocked. We're enslaved. We're trapped. There's no way we can get out. But wait, there's more. There is an emulsification process. We can add the egg, the egg of faith, faith in Christ. And that can mix up. And yes, messy. Because sin is still there. It doesn't look as pretty. Because sin is still there. However, we have the opportunity to have that communication with God, but only through faith. All right? Deuteronomy 27, 26 states it right there. It says, Cursed is anyone who does not affirm and obey all of the terms of these instructions, and all the people reply, Amen. Basically what that's saying is, you need to follow my standard. God is saying, you need to follow my standard. But Romans 3, uh, 10 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not there. We're not at that standard. But even early, early, early in the Bible, it already says, faith is the answer. Faith is the answer. Okay? Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted to him as righteousness. Because of what? Because of faith. Thank you. Wow, this is just like my classroom. <laughs> we're going to talk about Josiah today. Um, three, three things we're going to talk about. Three points that I kind of want to make in Josiah's life. Um, first, faith altered his actions. Uh, Josiah's faith reached out to others around him and actually created a legacy. And Josiah did not live out his faith all by himself. So here's kind of like the story of Josiah, if, if you will. In, in uh, 2 Chronicles 34, it basically states that around the eighth year of his reign, he came and followed God. He followed God. You don't follow someone who you don't have faith in. So all of a sudden, he has this faith in God. And that faith led to knowledge. Because what he wanted to do is he wanted to restore the temple. So he sent out his high priest to help restore the temple. And as he restored the temple, they found this book. And some scholars believe it was the book of Deuteronomy. But they found this book of the law. And they brought it back to Hezekiah. Um, as you were, 
Josiah. As they brought it back to Josiah and read the book to him, he realized what God's standard was. He realized that he was not meeting God's standard. And he tore his clothes because he was so... He saw the oil above his head and he saw it getting thicker and thicker. So he knew he needed to do something. So he gathered some people around him. He gathered his cohort of friends, his go-to guys, to go find out what God wanted him to do. And as they went out, they went to this prophetess, Huldah, right? And basically Huldah said, because you are penitent, because you have humbled yourself, you're good. God is not going to destroy your kingdom during your lifetime. So he has it made in the shade. He's good to go. Or as in the army, we say, he's good to hug. But that's not where Josiah stops. He acts on that. He says, not only am I not going to rest on my laurels and count it on my faith and just be good, I'm going to lead a righteous life. I'm going to double down. I'm going to recommit myself and all of my kingdom to God, to the covenant that we have with God. I am going to go back and I am going to cleanse out all of Israel and all of, of Judah, which he did. He knocked down Asherah poles and high places and destroyed all this stuff that had been there since the days of Solomon, completely eliminating idolatry from his land. And then he turned around and celebrated the Passover in a way that hadn't been seen since the time of Moses. And that's kind of Josiah's story right there. You see, Josiah led a life of faith, but that faith led to more knowledge. As he gained more knowledge, he had to make a choice. He had to make a commitment. And he chose to commit to live a life according to the word of God. He chose a life of faith. His actions demonstrated his faith. Sort of like this morning. I woke up uh, relatively early this morning because uh, I live in New Hampshire. Hi, New Hampshire, by the way. How's it going? <laughs> Um, I stepped on the scale this morning, and after it shouted to me to get off it, it was like, ah. <laughs> I noticed that I need to do some things. I gained knowledge. And I looked at that number, and I know, I have faith, that if I keep going the way I'm going, sometime around this afternoon, I'm going to die of a heart attack. <laughs> so I know I need to make a commitment to make changes to act on that. So that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully the next time I'm up here, I'm thinner. <laughs> Where are you in your faith? Listen, I don't live a perfect life by any stretch of the imagination. My wife will be more than happy to explain that. <laughs> okay. But push comes to shove. How many times have I come to a point in my life and said, no, that's too hard. That can't be God's will. That can't be God's will. See, Satan is definitely trying to push us one way or another because he does not want us to walk by the Spirit. He wants us to walk in ourselves and our flesh and our own self and make our own decisions. All right? But that's not, it's not just Satan. It's our own selves. You see, right there in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, it says, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can understand it? Our own heart lies to us. All right? Josiah lived a life of faith. 
Faith changed his actions. His faith led to knowledge, causing him to make a commitment, causing him to action, to act on that faith, to trust in God, not to take the easy way out. Because our flesh wants us to take the easy way out. Why? Because it's easy. It's better. And sometimes it makes more sense. But see, right in Galatians 5.19.21, it tells us the ways of the flesh. It tells us what the ways of the flesh lead to. They lead to sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, they're all ways of the flesh. But wait, there's an answer. You can walk in the Spirit like Josiah. Make that commitment. Walk by faith. Because the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And there's no law against these things. The ways of the flesh are set against the way of the Spirit. And every day, I have to make that choice. Which way am I going to follow? Every day. More like every minute. (laughs) Josiah's faith not only changed Israel, it changed others as a legacy. You see, Josiah did the right thing. He set an example. And there's these four dudes. Alright? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. These, by the way, just so you know, you can write it down someplace. These are actually their um, um, name uh, for the captured Babylonian name. Thank you. Appreciate that. These are their Babylonian names. This is uh, Daniel State with his Hebrew name. But just so you know, these gentlemen were born around the time of Josiah. See, 23 years later, after Josiah's death, Judah is taken into captivity, into Babylon. Okay? And these men, who had been around here, followed Josiah's example. Let's take a look. Now, we did this series on, on Daniel in the winter. Um, so you can definitely check that out. That's a great series. That's on the YouTube channel or the, or, or the, the, the church channel. So, one of the things, right, right there in chapter 1, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, they have the opportunity to take the easy way out, to have the choice to, to, to go with the diet of the king, which was a good diet. You know, a diet that I need to stay off of. It was a good diet, but they said no. We're not going to take the easy way out. We're going to commit to the Lord our God, and we're going to stay with our diet. And they were blessed because of it. Chapter 2, the king of Babylon has this dream, and nobody can interpret it. These astrologers, dream interpreters, um, uh, magicians come and try and interpret this dream, but nobody can interpret it. But Daniel, through the grace of God and, and, and wisdom, is able to interpret that dream and comes to a position of power because of it. Probably upsets some of these astrologers and dream interpreters, but... Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bend their knee to the most powerful person in the world. And they said, okay, you're going to get thrown in the fiery furnace. 
Well, that didn't work out for the Babylonians because they were saved from that. They did not live a life of compromise. They lived a life according to their faith. Sound familiar? Josiah set the example. They followed the example. By the way, and I'm just kind of spitballing here, what if Daniel was able to set the example for some of those Babylonians? All right? And those Babylonians, interpreters of dreams uh, and um, uh, astrologers from Babylon called wise men or magi, Maybe that tradition was passed down from generation to generation. And these, these astrologers, dream interpreters, or magi, as the Greek calls them, see this star in the east, or as you were, in the west, from their perspective, and they travel that way and worship the, the newborn King Jesus. Generations. Generations. Where are we in our faith? Sorry, I went ahead too quick. My bad. Where are we? Josiah had that commitment. There's no doubt about it. Think about this. A while ago, in the 70s, 80s, there was this gentleman called Jackie Slater. He was an NFL football player. He played uh, for the for the Rams. He became a Christian. He decided to raise his family in a Christian way. One of his sons eventually becomes an NFL player also. His name is Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater has the opportunity later on, just a couple of months ago, to talk to our men and share his faith with our men. It all started with the Los Angeles Rams, moved to the Patriots, and then right here at Hope Church. Legacy of faith. Legacy of faith. I don't often compare myself to Paul. However, sometimes when I look back, especially when I look back in my life, I see myself, because he calls himself the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy 15. Sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15. He calls himself the chief of sinners. Every once in a while when I look back in my life, I see myself elbowing my way to the front of that line. Trying to get ahead of him. Look, I'm not as bad as I once was, right? Um, I'm not that same guy that some pastor met in a bar at Texas Roadhouse and handed him a You Matter card and invited him to church. I'm not going to mention Rick by name, but... <laughs> I mean, Texas Roadhouse should have given it away, right? <laughs> But listen, how many opportunities do I miss to not spread that legacy, to tell others of my faith in Christ, not to judge other people, but to let them know, yeah, I'm a believer in Christ, and this is why I believe. Tell them my story. How many times do I miss that opportunity? Even worse, how many times do I miss the opportunity not to demonstrate love to one another? Because that's where it's at. It's not only words, it's actions too. Now I'll go to this slide. I said, now I'll go to this slide. (laughs) Because Jesus said 
In John 13, 34, it said, Now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Why? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love. Love one another. Love isn't, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, oh, I love you and you can do whatever you want and you can walk all over me. That's not the kind of love I'm talking about. I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 13 love. I'm talking about the kind of love where if you don't have it, it's nothing. I mean, think about that, that section of scripture right there in 1 Corinthians 13 where, where Paul is so hyperbolic saying, if you have all the languages of men and angels, if you can move mountains, if you have all knowledge, but have not love, boop, nothing. You have nothing. How about that? Our words don't mean anything if they're not followed by the actions of love. But wait, that's not all. You can tell I grew up in the 70s, huh? (laughs) You see, Josiah didn't live his faith out all by himself. There are two instances where Josiah had an opportunity or came into a difficult situation and tried to figure out what to do. His first strategy worked out pretty good. Josiah finds that book of the law, knows that he's in trouble, right? And then he calls on his cohort of friends. 2 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles 34 mention four people. There are four consistent people, excuse me, in that group. Those are his trusted cohort of like-minded individuals. He finds out how to negotiate this huge issue. What happens? Judea is spared for his lifetime because of the wisdom of his friends. His second strategy happens, it's detailed in um, 2 Chronicles 35, verses 20 through 22. It says, basically, you see, Josiah, one commentary called Josiah the failed Messiah, because he actually wanted to restore all of Israel to what God had promised Abraham. And he saw the Assyrian army, which was was in power at the time, a big block to that. So he wanted to fight the Assyrian army so he could expand that that land to what was promised uh, Abraham. So he goes and he bumps into Pharaoh Necho. Pharaoh Necho of Egypt is actually in alliance with the Assyrians. So he's kind of working out with, working with the Assyrians. Josiah says, no. Nico says, listen, it's your God who's telling me to do this. Not just to do it, but to hurry up and do it. So you need to step back. Josiah, does he consult anybody? No. Does he call his close cohort of friends? No. Does he even pray? No. All he does is comes up with his own plan. Result, Judean army defeated, 
Josiah slain. And then 30, uh, 23 years later, the Babylonians take power and take captivity, of, take captivity of Judah. You see, he tried to do it on his own. And by trying to do it on his own, that's where he failed. Let me see if I can uh, read something to you real quick. If I can find it. <laughs> ah, one writer drew an interesting analogy that I think will bring home my point. All right, he writes, Despite the howling winds of circumstance and the undercurrents of the enemy and the power of sin, press on in the Holy Spirit and hold firmly onto the rudder of faith. In the process of holding firmly onto the rudder of faith, in the midst of the storm, scan the horizon for a fleet of like-minded ships. Vessels who adore and serve their King, the Lord Jesus. Once you find them, forsake your isolated wanderings for their protection, fellowship, and instruction. The old ships will teach you reverence. Battered ships will teach you a practicum in compassion. Fast clipper ships leading the fleet will instill vision, motivation, hope, and obedience. Slow barges will instruct you in patience and kindness, for they often bear the heaviest burdens. Frontline battleships will evoke respect and humility and teach you how to fight spiritual warfare. And even a broken boat will enlarge your heart for meeting needs. By the way, an occasional uh, collision with another freighter will alert each member to stay on course and deal with each other in love. No one ship can counsel all these heaven-sent lessons. I love that. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about us as one body. Many parts, but one body. Ephesians, in Ephesians, it talks about Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, talks about spiritual gifts that are given to each believer. Uh, apostles, prophets, teachers, shepherds, evangelists. Talks about those, not for themselves, but to build up the body. For building up the body. You see, you can't paint a picture with one color, right? Dean? Well, I mean... Even a monochromatic picture has shading, right? <laughs> Technically, a shade is a shade of a color, not the same color. So anyway, scientific mind, wavelengths, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, <laughs> push comes to shove. You need different colors to bring things into perspective, to, 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 to create depth, to add different characters into the situation. You can't paint a portrait with just a single one tone. You need those different tones. Why should our lives be any different? Why should our Christian lives be any different? We need to go around those fleet-like-minded ships. So faith calls us to action. Faith can be passed down as a legacy from generation to generation. And faith can't be done alone. When we hit those areas where we stumble, we need to help call friends to help us, like-minded friends, to help us negotiate those, those areas of our lives. In this series, we've heard about the heart of David. 
We've heard about the wisdom of Solomon. We've heard about the trust of Hezekiah. And we've heard about, now, the righteous deeds of Josiah. None of these gentlemen, not one of these kings, was perfect. But that's good, because neither are we. We also heard about some kings that were dead set against. And we found out what their long-term disobedience led to. Each of, these ting- each of these kings taught us about sin and consequences and how continuous disobedience can bring about judgment and negative effects. On the other hand, we can also see the patience of God waiting, longing, longing for us to return. I'm reminded of uh, Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, you know, where the son is completely selfish and just wants his inheritance so he can please himself and have his own way. So he grabs his inheritance and he goes out to a far off land and spends it all and then realizes, uh oh, I'm in trouble. And he says to himself, maybe, maybe, maybe my father will take me back. Because in those times, he should have been, literally, he should have been humiliated, possibly even executed for what he did. Literally executed for what he did. At the very least, made a spectacle in front of the town. But he says, I'm willing to bear that. I know I've done wrong. I'm going to go to my father. What amazes me is that as he's going to the father, he's going in his head. He's, you can hear him going over the story in his head. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm penitent. Please take me back. Yada, 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 yada. And then the father is out there like this on the wall of the property, looking out. Bad knee. <laughs> looking out for him. Every day he was out there looking out for him. When he sees him a long way off, what does he do? He lifts up his skirt and runs through the mud to him, outside of his own property, and embraces him and welcomes him back into the kingdom. And even the son is like, but father, I know I've done it. He's like, shut up. Here's a ring. Here's your slippers. Here's your robe. You're back. Come on, let's go back. The long-suffering of God. What an image. God is sitting there waiting for us. Waiting for us to live out our faith. Just waiting. So, let's talk about next steps. Maybe some of you are in a place where you don't have that faith. You're not sure where you stand in that faith. Maybe you haven't made that commitment yet. Maybe you realize there's something separating from you from Christ and you want to confess that sin. Have commitment and have faith in Him. Go ahead, check off that box, that first box, step one, uh, because we definitely, and fill out your information, because we definitely want to reach out to you. Definitely want to reach out to you. Maybe you need to deepen your faith. Maybe you need to commit to daily prayer to gain that knowledge to know which way which direction to go have a bible reading plan maybe that's where you are maybe that's what you need or maybe you're in a place where you need to develop a relationship with another believer yeah i'm pointing to you john john's one of my go-to guys he's one of my cohort of friends so is jim back there i see you jim all right develop a relationship with another believer Listen, small groups are starting up soon. Maybe you can make a commitment to a small group 
to get to know some people and get intimate with those people, have an, a, a good friend relationship with those people. But if that's too much for you to like, I don't want a whole small group of people, even though small groups by definition are small. Maybe you just want a more intimate relationship with one or two members. That's okay, because um, there's soul care starting for the women. The women's ministry has soul care, and there are other things and mentorships that the women's ministry has. And guess what? Not to leave out the men's ministry, the men are having a golf tournament in a couple of weeks. Hello? Maybe join the golf tournament. Get to know somebody there. Find, find people of a like-minded fleet of ships. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come together and hear your word. I pray, Lord, that your word says it never comes back void. So I just pray that your word would permeate our hearts, that it would water the plant that is there, that it may grow and blossom, that we may bring glory to you. this in your son's name.